simply may the Lord's uh, words come through my mouth and heard by your ears. In Christ's name, amen. Have a seat, everyone. Now, I'm going to make an admission. I actually suffer from anxiety. I didn't know about it until my daughter came to live with me for two years, or for a year, sorry. She and I are so close, and I didn't know it. I didn't know it, and she suffers from anxiety and was able to tell me, Dad, that's anxiety. I live a really busy life. I love being busy. But every once in a while, May and September are the two months, my busy life becomes too busy. I, I plan my life with lots of stuff, and then every once in a while, things happen. People get COVID. <laughs> yeah. Do you know what I was planning to do today? I was planning to go to the early service and sneak out to go down and work on my boat in St. John. Okay. <laughs> Does that create a little anxiety? Eh, maybe a little. Not too bad, though. But I have to work through that stress. And Mina has held me accountable many times for this behavior, more times than I can count, actually. Um, but she'll tell you that one of the problems is I, I ignore the warning signs. I ignore the warning signs that it's going to happen. I don't plan ahead when, when, when I should know, right? And, and the thing is, it's like I don't want to choose a happy life, a healthy, happy life. I don't want to choose to be well. Now, the setting of the gospel reading is in a pool called Beth, Beth, Bethesda. Thank you. Near the Sheep's Gate in Jerusalem. And so it's a, it's, it's a pool. I'm, I'm picturing it in my mind that it's round because there's five porticos. And people are lying around this pool because it's a place where people come to get healed. Now, what's not said in the gospel, but is added in later manuscripts, uh, probably to give context, is that the people used to come there to get healed. And what they do is lie around this pool and wait for the waters to be stirred because they believe that an angel of the Lord would come down and stir the waters and the first person in would be healed. So you can imagine that in this story, you've got Jesus coming to this pool. Jesus, the person that offers the water of life, by the way, to this pool, talking to this invalid who's been invalid for 38 years. Now remember that the Israelites wandered in Sinai for 40 years. 38 years is like a generation. It's, it's a very long time. We're, we're saying this guy's been probably sick forever in his mind. He's lived with it for all, for, for all the time. So, see, he comes in. Jesus is looking at these people, and he asks us, he sees this man's his injury. He can't walk, he can't, he, can't, he can't get around, and he asks him if he wants to be well. And the man's answer you'd expect him to say something like, absolutely, is, I can't get to the water. Now, when you read the gospel, you don't understand that, like, he's thinking to get cured, he needs to get in that pool first, and he just doesn't have the ability to do it. So what does Jesus do? He says to the man, stand up, take your mat, and walk. And immediately, the man is cured. And he takes up his mat and walks. And at the end of verse 9, the narrator adds, now that day was a Sabbath. 
Now, that's where the lectionary reading ends. But if you read through John's Gospel, there's a lot more stuff that we need to know about because it's not the end of the story. And as always in our Gospel readings, when Jesus heals on the Sabbath, there's trouble a-brewing, right? Something's going to happen afterwards. So as the story progresses, this is what goes on. The man's confronted by the Jews, the Jews, which means the, basically the Jewish leadership, the religious authorities, who tell him that because it's a Sabbath, it's not lawful for him to carry his mat because that's work. You're not allowed to work on the Sabbath. So that's one thing that happens after this event. And then when they ask who healed him, he says he doesn't know. And then later on, Jesus encounters this man in the temple. And then the healed man, the man that was cured, okay, he goes to the Jewish authorities and rats Jesus out. That's what happens. Okay? So that's the full story of what we've got here. Um, and the text tells us, as we said, the man was ill for 38 years. And it might seem ridiculous that Jesus would have to ask someone who's been ill for 38 years if they want to be made well. But then, maybe not. Have you ever thought that some people seem to enjoy being unhappy? Have you ever met people in your life that just, just can't figure out, like, why do they live like this? That, I think that seems to be the case here. And it's not that he's even maybe not even be aware that he's unhappy. But he's had some sort of paralysis or injury for 38 years. Unable to move his legs, or at least unable to move them with difficulty, so he can't get into the pool first. And the man, like, he doesn't point out his need to be healed. It's not like the blind man asking to be healed, or the, the woman who touches Jesus' garment that knows she needs, she needs that. I mean, Jesus perceives it and takes the initiative. The man was alone. The man was poor. Now, it doesn't say that he's poor, but we know it's poor because of the Greek word they used for mat was the word they used for a rough pallet used by the poor to sleep on. So he's poor, he's alone. And, you know, you'd think that if we ever suffered a debilitating condition like that, that we'd have someone we could fall back on and rely on to look after us and help. You know, maybe a wheelchair, a medical help, social services, vocational rehab, a family. Like, but this man by the pool was paralyzed. He was poor. He was alone. You'd think someone would have been there to help him. And I don't want to minimize his suffering. Um, he was doing the best that he could, I'm sure. But it seems like he has in a routine. And that was familiar and somewhat comforting, I guess. And if you're like me, I work best when I have a schedule. I can just picture this man wakes up at 645, because I wake up at 645. <laughs> Nine o'clock, he's got to be at the pool, ready for the waters to be stirred. Misses the waters getting stirred. Five o'clock, goes home, eats supper. Nine o'clock, goes to bed. 6.45, gets up, and it just keeps going on and on and on, right? There's a routine to it. There's a comfort in that, in a sense. Um, you can actually build your life around that. There are people that do. They build their life around that kind of a structure. 
And it's in the same way we can build a life around suffering or illness. Like I'm, you think about an alcoholic who builds their life around drinking and the coping mechanisms that they have to do that. I mean, in the end, the alcoholic is drinking alone, but they have ways of coping. Someone suffering from an eating disorder, the ritual of binging and then recovery, they have coping mechanisms to live with that. You even have it in relationships where there's abusers and abused, where the abuser follows a sort of a, a, a schedule of mounting resentment and frustration and then blows off steam with violence. And then there's that apologies and maybe flowers and courtship afterwards. Or the abuser who might arrange their life around the abused, sorry, the abused, arrange their life around the abuser, trying to make sure they live their life so they don't upset anyone. And then there's this mounting anxiety and fear as you see things build up. And then there's the relief when finally there's the, 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 the courtship starts again. And then the explanation, well, it doesn't happen all the time, and it's, it's not that bad. So that cycle, okay? They've learned coping mechanisms to live in an unhealthy way. So when someone lives in that kind of a cycle of, of suffering and illness, you've got to ask your Self, do they really want to be well? Is it that scary? Is it that scary? And sometimes I wonder if anyone really wants to be well. So I'm not just targeting, I mean, I mean everyone. Do we really want to be well? What does it mean to be made well? You think about our society with so many of its widespread problems. And you got to ask yourself, I mean, does anyone, really, does anyone want to be well? So when Jesus asked the man, do you want to be healed? I think the man was actually thinking, Jesus was asking him, why aren't you in the water? And the man launches into this explanation about how come he can't get into the water and it's too hard and, and, and there's too many people and uh, I've no one to help me down the steps. Like, lots of excuses why he's not in the water. The man told Jesus, though, he wanted to be healed, but he couldn't get into the water in time. But that wasn't what Jesus was asking. As readers, we understand Jesus' spiritual meaning. We get it that Jesus is offering this man a direct healing. He, we would never stand by a pool, sort of squinting to see bubbles to cure all, when the Lord of Lords is standing right beside us offering to heal us, right? We wouldn't do that. Or would we? Jesus asks the man, do you want to be made well? And it's important to remember that Jesus didn't ask, do you want to be cured? Who doesn't want to be cured of all the ailments that we have, all the negative circumstances in life but there's a difference between being cured and being healed. When we're stuck and we need the healing touch of God, when we need the presence of Jesus in our life, and when we need the love of our community, it's possible to confuse healing with cures. Because they're not the same thing. Now, healing can involve physical curing of ailments, no question. But you can't reduce healing to simply that. You just can't reduce healing to just cures. Now, the gospel uses, not this, just throughout the Greek Testament, 
the gospel use several Greek words for healing. One has the sense of salvation or deliverance from danger. One has a sense of, of restoring or keeping alive or preserving. And in our gospel today, it uses the Greek, a Greek verb which means to make sound or healthy. To make sound or healthy. And for Jesus, being made sound or healthy means restoring relationships with God and with neighbors, which leads to change within. And when Jesus asks the man, do you want to be made well? And then he walks away with his mat and does everything he does afterwards. His answer is no. I don't want to be healed. That's what his answer is. And we're left to ponder, is he really healed or is he just had his physical ailments cured? And by taking this healing in context of the Gospels, it, it, it shows us that the salvation Jesus offers is not limited to the sudden removal of physical symptoms. No one should feel guilty if they don't receive a cure. No one should feel guilty that they don't receive a cure. The salvation Jesus offers has to do with wholeness, not just curing. It has to do with relationship with God. It has to do with rescue from spiritual death. And it has to do with healing of the total person. Jesus is talking about a salvation, about a healing that involves our body, our mind, our soul, and our relationship with God and our neighbors. And we can't earn healing. Just like we can't earn our salvation. The two are linked. Salvation's freely given. And it's given to all because of the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Now, I can't explain why sometimes um, healing involves physical cures and sometimes not. And I can't explain why healing often involves ways that are less obvious but no less real, the spiritual ways, the relational ways, and the emotional ways. But I can say with confidence that God heals, and I can say it because Scripture affirms it, because our experience of God affirms it, and because our faith tradition affirms it. God heals, even though we may suffer from ongoing physical illness that may never be cured. God still heals, though it may not happen physically, and it usually doesn't happen in our experience instantaneously, but it can happen that way. God still heals, even if it involves spiritual changes or changes in attitudes and approach that can be uncomfortable. There's a reason why people walk away from being well. It can be a challenge to walk that path. It can even be painful. But God will heal. In our scene from John 5, Jesus cuts through the man's monologue about why he hasn't been able to get into the healing waters with an efficient and physical cure. Rise up, take your mat, and walk. He was cured, but apparently not healed. And he certainly has no trouble reporting Jesus to his enemies later on. When Jesus offers to make you well, and Jesus is offering to make you well, what's your response going to be? 
Maybe your healing is to find a way to live with dignity and even joy when a chronic illness is part of your life. In your body or in your life or in the life of a loved one. Maybe your healing is to be at peace and to live more positively with some circumstance in your life that's never going to change. Maybe your healing is to acknowledge that it's time for a change when your dignity and humanity are being eroded by someone else or by a circumstance in your life. And maybe you're in none of those places, but you live in a constant state of unease and anxiety in need of someone who can offer you clarity, calm, and direction. But I have good news. I have good news for you. Jesus is standing by your pool. The God that Jesus makes known is a God who wills that all may have life and have it abundantly. So reach out and claim Jesus' salvation, Jesus' promise, and Jesus' healing. And my advice, choose a healthy life. Amen.